no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to The Very Sentience. We are a Chicago Bears podcast for the fans. On today's show, we are joined by J.J. Stankovitz as we break down the quarterback market and best available options for the Bears and much more. Hey, Dub, what's the good word, brother? Everything is good, Prez, man. How you doing? Hanging in there, man. We're getting to the, the end of the road here with the garage saga that I'm sure our listeners are tired of hearing me complain about. But you know what? That's my life. Everything is going good on my side, man. It's been crazy work-wise, but I'm hanging in there, brother. I can only imagine, dude, right now with like all the stuff that's going on with COVID and, you know, with all the different stores that you're managing. I mean, it's been pretty busy for you. I'm assuming probably working like 60-hour weeks and stuff. Oh, man. We're talking about from like 7 a.m. to probably around 8 p.m., man, to 9 p.m. Yuck. Yuck. Good luck with that, brother. Good luck with that. Make sure you're balancing that stuff out, man. I know it's easier said than done. I'm trying my best to, brother. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> I know for me, man, I told my manager, I was like, look, man, I, I need a day. I'm I'm taking a I'm taking a, a damn wellness day around here. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> man, they need those for sure. The thing about it is, man, we talk about it all the time, but 2020 was just such a taxing year for a lot of people mentally and just in all mm-hmm. kinds of ways. And it's just really important, man, just to make sure that you're just taking care of yourself and just taking that time. So, man, I encourage you to do that, too. If you feel like things are getting a little a little tough around you, man, man, take a step back, brother. Definitely. I really appreciate you sharing those words because definitely that'll be something that I'll be uh, discussing uh, with my manager for sure. Just about getting that, getting that, uh, getting some time off because, you know, work-life balance is always important and you want to reset and, you know, get your energy back right and ready to go into a full-fledged work-wise. So. Yeah. And then also to the family aspect. So, you know, that's the stuff too, because at the end of the day, let's, let's be honest, that's more important than anything else. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Well, man, let's get into the show, man. This is going to be a good one today. I'm really excited. We got a special guest for the audience, but before we introduce our guest, A-Dub, I wanted to talk about our brother, Peanut Tillman. He celebrated his 40th birthday this week. What are your thoughts, man, on Peanut, man? He was one of my all-time favorites. Man, I love Peanut Tillman, man. I mean, this guy, he didn't have all the talent of some of these great cornerbacks, but man, he was tough as nails. I mean, he got grimy with these big time wide receivers. You know, he was always there. And the thing is about him, Peanut was always going for the fumble, <laughs> you know? So uh, Peanut, man, is one of my all-time favorite Bears players, and I enjoy watching him play for this organization. I mean, he had a very good career. And the thing you brought up about, you know, him getting the ball out, that Peanut punch that he basically created, he'll be known for for the rest of his career. You don't see that as much in other players nowadays. So almost everyone that basically tries to punch the ball out, Mm -hmm. they don't do it with the technique that he did because he always was in the perfect position to either make the tackle or finish the play. 
while right. he was going for knocking the ball out. You see these guys in the league now, they're trying to punch the ball out, and then they're getting stiff-armed. You know, right, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing about it is that he perfected that. And either way, you knew if Peanut was coming up to make a play, that he, mm-hmm. the play was going to be over because either he was knocking that thing out or the person was being tackled. Absolutely. And that's one thing in the scout report. They always just say, hey, watch out for Peanut <laughs> because he's coming. Because um, I'll tell you, if Peanut gets beat on a play, man, one thing you know about him, he doesn't give up. And I've seen him get beat a couple of times and still end up getting a fumble, right? Knock the ball out of one of those wide receivers' hands. And I was like, well, that's good recovery. A guy never quitting on the play. Right. And one of the things that we talk about a lot with the current defense is the fact that we don't have the guys that are making and forcing these turnovers. And the thing about Peanut, he wasn't just trying to tackle people. He was out there trying to cause turnovers. And that was the thing about him that I really loved. But he was so underrated, man, during his playing career. I don't know how the Hall of Fame situation is going to shape up for him, but Mm -hmm. I think it would be a crime, man, if he doesn't get some serious consideration. Because in my eyes, Peanut Tillman was a beast. I'm glad you brought that forward, Prez. I hope he gets some consideration as well regarding what he did, because he did he contribute a lot. And I would like for guys who are now on our team now, cornerbacks like Jalen Johnson, to look at film on Peanut Tillman. You know, look at how he plays serving these guys. Look what he did to, you know, create some turnovers. Look what he did to cause havoc out there. I mean, that's a good guy you want to look at to say a standard if you're talking about being a pretty decent cornerback for the Bears. Absolutely. One point that you brought up on Peanut that I think is something that a lot of people don't mention. Some of those early 2000s receivers that he was facing, Mm -hmm. going up against Randy Moss, going up against your boy Megatron, right? Yep. Those receivers gave a lot of DBs nightmares. Mm -hmm. But Peanut held his own against those guys. And in fact, I think that Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson, you know, fans, whatever, you can, you know, at me about this. But I think that they had plenty of nightmares about the fact that they had to face him because of how physical that he was with those guys. And one of my all-time favorite plays is that one in the end zone when he ripped the ball out of Moss's hands. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one to remember for sure, you know. And I'm glad you brought that up, Prez, about how he faked some of these tough wide receivers like Megatron. But you know one thing that I like about Peanut Tim and what he did? He got close to these guys, right? He didn't start off 10, 15 feet back. He got right up on these guys, right front. Hey, look, I'm right here. You come off that line, I'm going to touch you. It's going to be a physical battle all the way. Whether you catch the ball or not, it's not going to be easy. And that's what you enjoy about watching Peanut Tillman as well. He was physical. He was jamming you, and he Mm -hmm. was getting his hands on you. And the thing about it is, with a guy like that, man, dude, he he was ridiculous. So really good player. He had 44 forced fumbles for his career, which is fifth all time. Wow. And the reason why that number is so important, (laughs) because everyone that's ahead of him on the list, when I looked at it, these guys are all edge rushers. He right, was a DB. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That makes a huge difference, man. Huge difference right there. You're right. Man. So, man, happy birthday to Peanut. The Peanut Punch is always going to be synonymous here in Chicago. Love him. All-time fave here, brother. Yes, sir. Love you, Peanut. Last thing, man, before we get into the, the show. This Allen Robinson franchise tag saga. My God, bro. So we, we saw that the window opened for teams to be able to place the franchise player tag. I think it was on Tuesday when that mm-hmm. opened up. 
So now that's going to bring into focus a little bit about the contract status with A-Rob. So, man, what are you thinking, man? How are you feeling about this? I'm a little nervous because in one hand, you know, I'm selfish, right? I'm like, well, that's the only way to keep them. <laughs> that's the only way to keep them. Yeah, I'm all for it. But then yeah. the other part is like, okay, is A-Rob going to be happy? Because a guy like him is worth between 80 to 100 million, right? If you think about long-term contracts. So you wonder, like, is he going to be happy with being franchise tag, right? That we talked about before in this podcast, Chris. Yep. And I would hate to do it to a guy like him who's that good of a star player and be disgruntled on a team like this due to financial reasons. And those kind of things you don't want to see linger over into the locker room, right? That could, it could potentially bring that. So for me, I'm worried, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm also selfish too, because I'm like, well, <laughs> he'll probably get over it, you know, <laughs> in due time, because he still want to perform right on the field. I know a guy like A-Rob cares about playing well and wants to play well. So in one side of it, I'm like, damn, you know, and the other side, I'm like, ah, that's tough, you know? So I totally get it though. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, when we had Brad Spielberger on the show last week, he kind of mentioned to us that he thought a fair contract for A-Rob would be in the neighborhood of four years, $80 million with $50 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at a contract like that, it matches up pretty well with some of those other receivers that were extended before the season started last year. I agree with you, man. When I look at this selfishly, of course, you want this guy back, even if it right. is under the franchise tag. But mm-hmm. I know that that's going to make this guy angry. And Mm -hmm. I just wonder if they do that, is that going to be when A-Rob and his agent basically say, hey, get us out of here? Right, right, exactly. And that's what you don't want to have, that part of it. Now you really got drama, right, on our hands. So, yeah, we don't don't have time for that. But I will say this. You and I have spoke ad nauseum on this podcast about how important A-Rob is to this team. He's the best player on his offense. But things outside of just what he's done on the football field, Look at the impact that he's made within the community through his foundation. Right. Great locker room guy. Guys like that, you have to keep on your ball club because that's good for your culture, right? Mm-hmm. You can never have too many guys like that. The fan base loves him. And I say, man, reward this guy. Give him the contract that he deserves. I know that we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but man, get this guy back in the fold. <laughs> Absolutely. And Prez, one of the things that you and I talked about as well on this podcast was about his impact with the other wide receiver core. The other guys love him. The Money Moons, they really enjoy being around him, learning things from him. He's been more of a mentor to those guys. So at least having them for that reason as well, just to the things you already shared, is very important and valuable to our receiving core. Absolutely, man. Well, we'll see what's going to happen here with the A-Rob situation. Without further ado, the audience... We are going to bring in our special guest, J.J. Stankiewicz, who has covered Notre Dame football. He's covered the Chicago Bears. He's a twin dad of 14-month-old boys and an Oak Park native. J.J., talk to him. How you doing, bro? Your listeners won't know it because they they can't see this, but when y'all were talking about Allen Robinson, I'm just sitting here like nodding my head like, yep, yep, (laughs) yep, like everything you guys said, just yep. (laughs) <laughs> yep, that is spot on correct. Dude, right? It's like, man, reward the guy. I mean, goodness gracious. The stuff you guys said, you know, it, it's not just his on-field play, right? It's what he does in the community. Like you said, like the mm-hmm. Allen Robinson Within Reach Foundation has done so much in the city of Chicago over the last three years. Mm-hmm. His presence, he, he was really out in front of a lot of the social justice stuff that came out after George Floyd was murdered back in May. I mean, you could not have asked for a better representative of the organization in some really, really difficult times for this country. And to say, we're just going to tag you 
it's easy to see how Allen Robinson and his camp view that as a slap in the face. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, JJ. And the thing about it is, he's a guy that wants to be here. You could tell. Every mm-hmm. time when mm-hmm. they, and I mean, you, you could tell us this better because you covered the team, but when you guys would talk to A-Rob, it was clear, this is where he wants to be. <laughs> so I don't know what the disconnect is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys read Tyler Dunn. He has a sub stack. He's written features for Bleacher Report and a number of other websites. Really good reporter, really good writer, has a really good relationship with A-Rob. And he wrote this story back during the season. It was called The Zen of Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. I would encourage all your listeners, you guys, to go read it because to me, that defined Allen Robinson very well. In essentially, like, Allen Robinson's career is currently up in the air when, when this was written. And he has had Blake Bortles, yep. Mitch mm-hmm. Trubisky, and Nick Foles as his three quarterbacks. Three Oof. guys who are not necessarily conducive to generating a ton of yards. And it was essentially, like, why are you so, like, so calm about this? There's right. a really, really instructive piece into his thinking because you guys are right. Allen Robinson would stay in Chicago if the money was there. Right. Allen Robinson isn't, you know, I know we've had a lot of fans and, and a lot of folks wonder, is he going to go somewhere where he can have that great quarterback? In, in a sense, like Allen Robinson, yes, he wants to be a Hall of Famer someday. But I think he also understands he can be a Hall of Famer no matter who the quarterback is because he's that damn good. So that's a very long way of saying, yes, if the Bears were willing to give Allen Robinson what he and his camp believe is his market value. And quite frankly, I kind of side with Brandon Parker, his agent, and Allen Robinson in terms of what they believe his market value to be, then Allen Robinson would still be a Chicago Bear. But we've now reached this point where the discussions have not been fruitful. I mean, it was a year ago. I remember at the the NFL Combine, like the last in-person thing we ever did where we asked Ryan Pace, hey, you know, is Allen Robinson is an extension for him on the horizon? And Pace said, you know, he gave his usual like, well, we're going to keep that stuff internal, but Allen's a guy we want to have in Chicago for a long time. And the Bears, on their end, yeah, they would like to have Allen Robinson in Chicago for a long time. It just seems like they are very far apart in terms of what the organization views Allen Robinson's value as and what Mm -hmm. Allen Robinson's camp views his value as. Yeah, it right. definitely seems that way. And also, too, I was really disappointed, JJ, when I heard that the t- contract talks haven't really happened much since September when A-Rob first kind of went public with a little bit of his uh, disdain for how things were going. I think the problem with that, guys, is that it never should have taken to September. You know, mm-hmm. the Bears got a really good contract with Eddie Jackson done back in January, one that after, you know, Jackson's play last year, maybe doesn't look as good. But at the time, the Bears said, hey, we are going to get out in front of the safety market and get Eddie Jackson signed to what was then a market setting contract, knowing that Buda Baker and Jamal Adams are going to be up for contract soon. The Bears went about that smartly. Now you can say whatever you want about Eddie Jackson's season of 2020, (laughs) but it would have, it probably would have been prudent for the Bears to engage Allen Robinson's camp earlier, at least before Keenan Allen got his contract extension. Because once Keenan Allen got his extension, which was four years, 81 million, I believe, that set the market for Allen Robinson. Because it's a third contract for a highly productive player who's torn his ACL in his career. Those are three extremely good comps for Allen Robinson. And I think, you know, you can can say Keenan Allen might be a better receiver than Allen Robinson. But 
the Chargers didn't let Keenan Allen get to the point where he was agitating for a trade or now on the precipice of hitting free agency. The, the Chargers locked him up. The Bears didn't do that with Allen Robinson. And now we're in the situation where, I mean, look, guys, if you put the tag on Allen Robinson. Not only does it piss him off, right. but you're now committing to 18, paying him $18 million in 2021. Mm-hmm. The Bears don't have a lot of money. There are ways they can free up the cap and, you know, see where the cap actually winds out. And, you know, I think that's what we're probably waiting for here for the Bears to make a determine, you know, make the final call on this is when they learn what the, the salary cap will be. The cap floor already went up to 180 million. That's 5 million more than they thought it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what the actual cap winds up being. But I mean, look, you commit 18 million to Allen Robinson. A Rob may say, I'm not playing on that. You got to trade me. Mm-hmm. But Right. Doesn't. I mean, if you put the tag on Allen Robinson, you say we have to have enough money to pay him and to address the other needs on this roster that might make things pretty difficult for the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because let's just be honest, gentlemen, there's a lot of things that we need to improve with this ball club. And so when you look at this Allen Robinson situation, all Ryan Pace has done here is giving himself one more problem that he didn't necessarily need to have for himself this offseason. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what he could have been cleaned up, right? And I think now as this continues to linger, this could get uglier. Well, and here's the, the flip side to this that I'm really interested in. Because like I said earlier, I lean in the, the, the camp of Robinson on this issue. but. Sure. It is a stacked class of free agents at wide receiver. You got Kenny Galladay. You know, who knows what happens mm-hmm. with Chris Godwin and some of these other franchise tag guys. Will Fuller yep. is going to mm-hmm. be out there. And it's regarded as another deep draft for wide receivers. You know, at the top, obviously, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell, the two Bama guys, but it is a deep draft for receivers. So yep. teams mm-hmm. that are in the market for a receiver, are they going to be willing to, if Allen Robinson says, trade me? You know, mm-hmm. you put the tag in him, you got to trade me. Are teams going to be willing to part, let's say, a third-round pick to sign Allen Robinson? Or are they going to say, well, why are we going to part with a third-round pick when we can just go get Kenny Galladay? Is sure. Kenny Galladay as good of a receiver as Allen Robinson? Maybe, maybe not. I would probably say no, but it's not. You know, we're talking about an A receiver in Robinson versus like an A-minus-B-plus guy in Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. Sure. And sure. I think a lot of teams are going to have to go through that calculation here And, you know, look, if Tampa, whatever Tampa does with Chris Godwin, I think is going to be a really fascinating thing here because if Godwin isn't tagged and he's allowed to hit free agency, then now, I mean, now you're really talking like, whew, this is, this is going to be a tough deal for Allen Robinson (laughs) if the Bears tag (laughs) him and he doesn't want to play on the tag. So it's this really, really tight game of cat and mouse right now between the Bears and A-Rob's camp. And the problem is that this is going to be a headache for all parties involved. And the way to solve the headache is by taking the title and all that is a contract extension and one that is fair for Robinson and one that the Bears believe is fair for them to pay. Right. Yep. Get it done. (laughs) We've been we've been saying that so much, JJ. But before we get into the episode, man, I had a couple questions just for you just off the bat. I've just been really curious. I've been following your work for a number of years. And I wanted to ask, what were some of your early influences in the media game? Yeah, I mean, uh, starting off at NBC Sports Chicago, we were then CSN Chicago, John Moon Mullen. Who okay, yeah. I, I developed a really, really close relationship with. I don't know if y'all listened to it on House of L. 
I did. Uh, yep. Lawrence Holmes. Yeah, I interviewed John Moonmullen about his, you know, he, he's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and mm-hmm. how he's fighting that and his perspective on life and his journey and all that. Uh, I really enjoyed doing that because Moon and I are very close um, and he's been a huge influence on me as a writer, reporter, just as a person, like how mm-hmm. to treat people. You know, writing influences, I was very lucky early on. I mean, the folks we had at CSN Chicago, Patrick Mooney and Dan Hayes, when I covered baseball, uh, they're both now with The Athletic. Uh, they're both really good. You know, we had Vincent Goodwill covering the Bulls for a oh, number yeah. of years. And, I mean, Vinny Goodwill, is, he's he's the best. Vinny's that uh, dude. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean, yes, sir. I, I, I can't take on people on Twitter like he takes on people, but, you know, he... <laughs> He was a big influence, and I was very lucky to just have so much talent around me there as I kind of grew into my role. And then on the Notre Dame beat, I'm really close friends with Matt Fortuna. He's now at The Athletic. He, yep. he covered Notre Dame for ESPN. We mm-hmm. spent, I mean, hours upon hours in the car driving to and from South Bend. And then I still say pound for pound the best reporter I've ever been around is Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame for The Athletic. Okay. Um, he is he, Pete is so good at what he does. He is... He has been the best reporter on that beat for 15 years. And the way that he carries himself and reports is just second to none. So, you know, those are some people who I've developed a lot of respect for and and who have definitely influenced who I am as a reporter. And, you know, being around folks on the Bears beat, too. Like, it's a really good beat. A lot of really talented people on it. And I've, you know, picked up some stuff from, you know, everyone because that's, that's kind of how you do it. Right. Like, right. Right. You know, oh man, like Kevin Fishbane got that really good story. I should start thinking, you know, in a different way or man, you know, like Rich Campbell really had a well-sourced story on that. Like, how did he get that? How did he do that? You start thinking about that. And that's kind of how you, you start growing and building, you know, I'm not, I I never was someone who thought I was, you know, the, the God's gift to bears writing and, (laughs) <laughs> you, you always try to grow and you always try to improve and there's no such thing as a perfect story. And right. uh, I'm lucky that I came up in Chicago around so many talented and established writers here. No, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I wanted to ask you, cause you brought up a couple things here with covering that bears beat and, you know, being around training camp and things of that nature. What are some of your favorite moments of being on the beat covering the bears? Honestly, it's a lot of the interactions with fans that I've had. My favorite thing we did, it was 2019, during that training camp, we started a like random jersey of the day competition. Okay. Um, where I I would go around and, you know, me and Cam Ellis would go around and we would try to find like what is the weirdest jersey we've seen <laughs> at training camp on each day. And it started because the first day I was at camp that year. Guy shows up in a Cordell Stewart jersey, and I'm like, "Wow, this guy! Okay, <laughs> we got we got to find more people like this." So it's like every day we are finding just like, I cannot believe that someone had. Um, it was an Isaiah Fry jersey. He was like a wow, the DB six, from yeah, the DB from Nevada. Yeah, right. Like I saw that. I'm like, I cannot wow. believe that exists. Like, and it, that was so much fun. And yeah, you know, we would always go up to the people who did it and you know say, "Hey, you know, here's what we're doing." And you know, I. I Doing podcasts like with you guys, and I love doing fan podcasts because there's so much energy and there's so much knowledge in the Bears fan base, you know, that I, I'm just like happy to be a part of it. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I really picked up from Moon. One of the first things Moon told me when I got on the beat was like, hey, Bears fans are smart and they're going to know if you're talking 
down to them or you're talking with them. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference in that. And I've always tried to talk with the fans, not talk down to the fans. Like, yes, I'm in the locker room and yes, I, I am positioning myself as an authority on this, but like, y'all know your stuff too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like, well, I got at the start of this when you said, Hey, you know, Hey, let's welcome JJ on. I'm like, everything you said about Alan Robinson could not have said it better. Like you guys are smart. Bears fans are smart. And I, it, it, I, I've just like relished my time really being not a part of the fan base, but really just kind of tapping into the fan base. Cause the energy in the bears fan base is so, so neat. And so, so fun to just be a part of. And I, and I appreciate you saying that just about the fan base, because one of the things that I appreciate about your work is just how transparent you were and honest in your takes, right? Because a lot of times fans aren't going to agree with everything anyone says, right? But the thing right. about it is that type of stuff is important because you have to be objective when you're covering these teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. also the way that you interact with people on Twitter and the fans and to be honest, the fact that when I reached out to you, that you were receptive of coming on our little show. So I was humbled just by the fact that you even responded. So that says a lot about you. And and I was really also kind of sitting back and listening to how you talked about Moon, because you could tell that you took away a lot about the way he's humble and the Mm -hmm. way that he approaches things over the course of his career. So kudos Mm -hmm. to you, brother. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, my, my, my favorite thing with Moon was, you know, first year on the beat, 2017. So we're down at the combine and I'm like, weeks into covering the team. It was the first event I covered. It was the first time I was writing regularly about the Bears. Uh-huh. And Moon just kind of takes me around the big media room at the Combine and introduces me to everyone he knows. Wow. And by the way, Moon knew like everyone in that room. Sure. So, you know, and, and just seeing how, seeing how like Moon would pass people in the hallways. I think sometimes as a reporter, you get this sort of, there's this kind of wall between you and the subjects you cover. And it's really hard to break it down. And I'm not saying I break it down all the time because I don't. But (laughs) just a simple, hey, what's up? You know, simple Mm -hmm. smile and hello. That goes a long way. Yep, absolutely. And Moon, if you walk by Moon and he doesn't say, you know, hey, how's it going? Give you a smile and a hello. Like you probably like pissed in his coffee that morning. (laughs) Like it's, that is just a way to carry yourself as a person. And, you know, I cannot, I really owe a debt of gratitude to Moon because I, I'm a better person for knowing him. And I think a lot of other people feel that way. And, and I mean, that's personally, obviously, but I think professionally that goes a long way, JJ, because the one thing that even A-Dub and I speak about in our, you know, in our careers is the fact of, hey, you never know who that person is that you're walking by, right? Uh-huh, so, so many right. times in life, people just disregarded the people. So, I think that that lesson with Moon is just important. You never know. You never know what that person can impart on you. You never know what nugget of information you can get from that person. So, uh-huh. there's a, a lot of benefits to everything that he kind of in, instilled in you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and that that's just such a good way. And the other thing to look at it is like, you never know who the other person might be on the other end. Uh-huh. Like. I'll share it today. It was funny. I was walking my kids around the neighborhood and, you know, I get to a stoplight and I'm about to cross the street and there's car, there's car. It's like kind of in the middle of the crosswalk. Cause that, you know, the street we're by is, is all backed up. And I'm kind of like looking at the car to see, okay, you're going to back up and I'm not giving him the stink eye. And then the window <laughs> rolls down and it's Evan Moore from the Chicago sun times. Oh, and wow. I know Evan, you know, he was oh. a former intern at CSN Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, Evan, I would, what's I up, to- man? 
to, I went to grade school with that guy. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Evan, Evan, he's he's the goods, man. Yeah. Um, and I was just like thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I, you could have been tired and having a bad day and giving this guy the stink eye. To try to, you know, hey, man, back up out of the crosswalk. But, you know, it's it happens and yep. you're all backed up. And I was like, oh, man, that's so good to see Evan. Like, I also never have random encounters in the city of Chicago because it's such a huge city. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't believe I just saw Evan Moore. That just like made my morning. That was great. And and that's kind of funny when you told that story because the average person, when they rolled the window down and saw how big that guy was, they would be like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, man. But, dude, uh, I just wanted to just kind of have, have the audience just kind of hear a little bit more insight because I think a lot of times when you're doing your job there, you're covering the team. But I always like to understand the story behind the person. So I thought it was really good to kind of hear some of those nuggets and some of your moments uh, being a part of the beat there. Yeah. And, you know, it. we had, I mean, man, we had so much fun on that beat. It, it's a really, it, it was a really good beat in that, like, for the most part, people aren't jerks to each other. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's not the case all the time. I'll leave it <laughs> at that. But for the most part, you know, there there is a pretty good crew on that beat who, you know, we go on road trips and we go out to dinner together and, you know, always meet up and, you know, have a lot of fun the day before games. And, you know, it, it, when we were uh, when we were in London, I didn't wind up going to this, but uh, like six, seven guys on the beat all went to a uh, Fulham match because Rich Campbell, who was with the Tribune, is a big Fulham fan. OK, and they all went to this match and, you know, they all bought their their jerseys and stuff and. You know, there, there are some fun stories from that. And I wound up going to a Premier League match with another one of my friends. But, you know, just like going around London with these guys and being in New Orleans with them and uh, just all these different cities and having really good dinners and really good conversations and just a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I'll miss the camaraderie on the beat, certainly, because it, you know, there are a lot of really, really good people on it. A lot of folks who I really respect and, and I count as friends, mm-hmm. you know, and, and certainly will for the rest of my life. Yeah, it sounds like you established a brotherhood with those guys. I, I really love hearing that. Yeah. yeah, you got some great stories, too, to share with us, man. So, JJ, I really appreciate those stories you just, you just went into with us. Um, this gives us a good idea about, you know, who you are as a person, what you've been through, and um, a lot of good things that you have, man, a lot of valuable knowledge that you have that you can share with the rest of us and the rest of the world as well. Yeah, I mean, whatever, you know, whatever knowledge I have, I, I don't know how much it is, but um, always, <laughs> always, always happy to talk about it. You know, I, hey, I was the one who got laid off, so... I don't know how to handle that still, still figuring it out, but uh, sure. it's weird not like, you know, when, when the Bears traded for Carson Wentz, or uh, the Colts traded for Carson Wentz, you know, I'm, I'm at Jewel and I'm like okay. running in there to go grab some stuff. Like we needed milk for the babies and I'm like trying to race in and out of there. <laughs> I get back to my car and I see like, oh, these alerts. And I'm like, I guess I don't need to write anything about this right now. This is weird. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, it was like it was that was like the first moment where it hit me i was like i don't need to do anything with this yeah because normally you you are you are a prisoner to to alerts on your phone yeah yeah <laughs> right, right, I, mean, you know, right. I got i got i got Schefter and Rappaport tweets on alert and you know i'd be sitting around with my wife and you know we could be doing anything and i get that alert and it's like all right sorry <laughs> like, we you know that that's how it goes right yeah. but I'm not going to lie. It's not bad to have a break from that. Um, mm-hmm. Would rather still have a job, but it's yes. not bad to have a break from that. Yeah. Well, I can, I can only imagine hearing that probably when that Khalil Mack trade came about, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. Okay. So that was Labor Day weekend, 2018. 
And, you know, we went up to uh, my wife's family's lake house. And, you know, it was me and her and her family and some of her cousins who were really close with. And we're all up there. And, you know, we're having a good time up there. It's Friday we get there. And it's like the last weekend before football starts. And, you know, my wife is a she works in a special education district in a school. And, you know, she gets like this one weekend in, you know, the last weekend of summer, Labor Day. So we go up there and Friday night, I kind of get a sense of like something was happening. Okay. Um, but I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. I can't imagine they're actually going to do this. So we're, we're going to bed and I'm like, all right, well, tomorrow will be really fun. You know, it's our first full day here. We can like go out on the water, have some fun out there. And I was like, well, the only thing that's going to throw a wrench in that is if the Bears trade for Khalil Mack. And then I wake up eight hours later and I just look at my phone and it's like 55 notifications. And it's like <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning and I just roll over and I go, hey, remember what I said last night? It's like, what? What did you say last night? (laughs) Well, this day would be ruined if the Bears traded for Khalil Mack. And uh, guess what? The Bears traded for Khalil Mack. (laughs) (laughs) I went down. I went downstairs. I grabbed my computer, grabbed my hotspot, grabbed the charger, grabbed as much coffee as I could find in the house. And I wrote, I think, five columns that day. Did a podcast. I I was was literally writing from 7.30 in the morning until 9 p.m. Wow. And then the oh. next day I had to drive yeah. back to Chicago three and a half hours for a press conference yep. with Khalil Mack. I was like, well, this weekend is totally shot. And that, yeah. that, is, that weekend is now infamously known in my wife's family as the weekend where we didn't see JJ. <laughs> <laughs> that press conference, that was awesome. He said, I, I, I will. Have- I will never, I will never forget what he was saying and his dad just like sitting on the other side of the room in the corner, uh-huh. just like smiling and like being like, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Like that, <laughs> like just like such a proud Papa. Yep. That was so cool. I, that was, that's what I remember from that press conference. Yeah. He was just like, look, I need to get the playbook. I don't have a place to live. Like, he's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's an awesome story, man. But that, that just goes to show you the life of that beat reporter, right? Because mm-hmm. things could just be one minute. You could be on vacation the next minute. All right. Um, I need to take a step away for a second. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> or a long second. <laughs> or yep. 12 hours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm sure like with those little ones, it's probably really good for you to have that time. Mm-hmm. To be able to, you know, spin with them, like you talked about the walk that you went through the neighborhood, like those those moments, I'm sure you're very happy to be able to kind of have and have a little bit of a step back right now. Yeah, you know, it's it's I'm trying to look at it, you know, from the positive yeah. part of it, and it, you know, it is a blessing to be able to spend a little more time with them and not have to be like e- even you know spending time with them is one thing, but being like mentally engaged with them is another. Mm-hmm. You know, the the thing about being a beat writer is that you are it is constant thought. Uh, you are constantly thinking about the next story, the next column, the next way to attack this thing. You know, if I were still on the beat right now, I'd probably be sitting around, even if there's nothing going on with Alan Robinson, like, okay, how am I going to attack the franchise tag thing from another angle? What's yeah. a mm-hmm. different way to view this? What's a different way to write this, talk about this, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that that is exhausting. It is mentally exhausting to do that because there's very little turning your brain off. You know, talking to a lot of other people who have more regular jobs and you come home from work and you're done with work. And, you know, like you guys were saying, like A-Dub, you know, you, you're working long days and everything and that's tough. You know, you got to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And 
you can you can have that balance as a writer when you're physically there, but sometimes it's it's more difficult to be mentally all there mm-hmm. uh, because that's just the nature of it. You know, you're thinking like, if I write this story this way, how is it going to be received? Or if I want to write this story, like, is someone else thinking that way? Like, right. how can I find a different way to attack this and, and write this? And what's a new another feature story angle and, you know, stuff like that. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of thought, even if even in the moments where you're not physically writing or podcasting or attending a practice or a game or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of that mental energy that you spend. Yeah. And so to, to your point, just being present, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I, right. I don't think that that's the thing that a lot of fans think about with uh, the life of that B reporter is because think about it. When these stories drop, we're all talking about the same topic mm-hmm. right. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what makes what you're doing different than the other person right. why should i read what you're seeing over the next guy right <laughs> right yeah and, and you know it was, right. it was even harder this last season when everything's over zoom and literally everyone's getting the same material yep. you know mm-hmm. it, it was different when you could go into the locker room and go you know grab a guy one-on-one and like hey you know no one wrote this story i wrote this week about this player uh you know it was even harder mentally because yeah, everyone's getting the same material. Right. So how do you, why would you want to read my column on that material instead of Jason Leisure's who does a great job at the Chicago Sun-Times, you know, right, right. like, cause it's also a really competitive beat. And there are a lot of, like I said, there are a lot of really talented people on it. So yeah. Why do you want to read me over the other, the other guy? Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is a, a difficult thing to navigate. It's something that I'm also glad I did because I think it's really set me up well for whatever my next career path is, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's staying in the business or not, is, you know, I learned how to market myself and make people want to know what I had to say. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of work to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I look back at what I wrote my first year on the beat and I was like, this is all trash is bad nothing nothing in here is good but eventually you kind of develop a voice and something that people do want to hear or read or or whatever it may be and that takes a lot of time and it it takes a lot of work and again Mm -hmm. it's work that doesn't you don't always see the end product of it you know as a reader or a listener or a viewer right Um, and it yeah it's it's a lot Mm mm-hmm no, I definitely can imagine. But I, one point that I wanted to just add, the thing when you were on that Notre Dame beat, I'm a diehard uh, Notre Dame fan, okay. by the way. And the one of the things that like when I when I came familiar with you was you were likable. And that goes so far. Yeah, that goes so far. And A-Dub, I don't know how you feel about that with people in general, but there's certain people that I'll follow and I'll read their stuff. And it's just because as a person, I'm like, dude, this person's dope. You know what I mean? So that that was kind of how I became familiar with you. And then when you started to really speak on a lot of the issues that were plaguing the black community over the course of the summer, I was like, dude, this guy, this is my dude. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you. That, that means a ton to me to, for you to say that. So thank you. Yeah. yeah, and one thing I will add to that, man, JJ, you one of those guys who are really willing to dialogue into things, right? You don't come across as a guy that want to be the know-it-all, the want to be the, the biggest person in the room. You kind of come across as the guy that, you know what, let's talk it through. You know, this is my perspective. What's yours? Let's yeah. engage in some dialogue. And I think people like that about you, that you're down to earth like that. So I will say, whatever you do, man, keep that same energy like <laughs> that that you have, man. I will say that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, and it's just, you got to respect people. There are, I got to say, there are a lot of folks 
in my Twitter timeline who are muted permanently because <laughs> of uh, how they responded to some of the things that I put out there over the summer. Specifically when on the Under Center podcast, I believe I said, if you don't think Black Lives Matter, you need to find a different podcast to listen to. Yeah, um, I remember that. Most of most that was very well received. Like yeah. I, I said that, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Let's see how the comments go." Yeah, for the most part, it was you know positive, but there were a lot of folks where I'm like, "All right, well, mute, 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 mute." <laughs> Click on your profile, mute, mute. Like you know, that's pretty easy to right. see. There. Um, you know, I don't, I don't need that negativity in my life, and no. especially from people who think like that. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it's. Just like in general, Bears fans, like I was saying earlier, y'all are smart. You know what you're doing. You know what you're talking about. And if you, as a reporter, view yourself as smarter than everyone else, then yeah, you know that you're going to come across as a jerk and Mm -hmm. someone who people might read in spite of themselves, you know? Yep. Absolutely. A-Dub, we went into the saying, man, we were going to do all this talk about the QBs and <laughs> this conversation. We haven't talked what, about the QBs at all. At right? all. And you know what? <laughs> Who even cares at this point? We'll delve into it a little bit. So, gentlemen, this is something <laughs> that every podcast is talking about. Every beat reporter, everybody wants to know what the Bears are going to do at QB. So, mm-hmm. at least I wanted to take a few minutes here at the end of the episode just to kind of get you guys' thoughts on some of the top options available. In your mind, right? Now, JJ, I've already heard that you're a Gardner Minshew guy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far. (laughs) But but I wanted to get you guys' thoughts, like, you know, from one to five. And we can just kind of round robin this thing. But what are some of the best options that you guys see available for the Bears to kind of go off their target? Are we talking realistic or, you know, just like, because I mean, like, look, like Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. Right. Like those are the options. Yep. Um, they're not realistic for the no. Bears, but no. they are if you if you look at the landscape and, and the quarterback movement that may happen this year, it's those two guys. Mm-hmm. If you can get one of those two guys, you can win a Super Bowl. Russell Absolutely. Wilson's already proved it. Deshaun Watson will prove it in the next four or five years. The problem is the Bears aren't gonna be able to get either of those guys. So let me ask you a question on that with that thought, especially when it comes to Deshaun. Do you think it's just because we don't have the draft capital or the players that they want to return? Or is it just the simple fact of we don't have the time to wait for that situation to evolve? All all the above. I don't think the Bears have the best package that will be offered for Deshaun Watson Mm because they're talking about the 20th overall pick this year. And, you know, you can you can dangle 2022 first round picks. But if you're the Texans, you're like, well, we're trading you Deshaun Watson. You're probably going to be good. So. We probably they're probably I would assume the Texans would want a top 10 pick up front mm-hmm. in addition to other picks and other players. The Bears cannot offer that top 10 pick. So now, look, if Deshaun Watson says the only place I want to play is Chicago, then he could wind up here. But Deshaun Watson, has, there's been absolutely no signal he's going to do that no. when, you know, New York and Miami and Denver and San Francisco, Carolina, all these teams could be in on him. So right. And the other part of it too, like you mentioned, Prez, is that the Bears can't wait. You know, no. if you wait until August because you're like, I think we can get Deshaun Watson, and then you don't get him, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how Pace and Nagy can show the progress that they've been tasked with showing if they wait to get Deshaun Watson. A team that can wait to get Watson would be like the Dolphins, right? Mm-hmm. They are the perfect team to wait this thing out because. They will be fine going into 2021 with Tua as their quarterback. Correct. But 
if they can go get Deshaun Watson in August, well, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> Cause he's one of the four best quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. So I, I think the, the bears are not well equipped for that. I mean, and look, few teams are right. I think the dolphins and the 49ers are probably the best equipped to wait this thing out. Yeah. Um, Cause they, they don't need to draft quarterbacks right now, but they have potential options to wait until August to, to make this thing work. So, and, and then, I mean, the same thing with Russell Wilson, like, you know, there, there's this saga now, the Athletic was reporting uh, today's Thursday that Russell Wilson and the, and the Seahawks are at a really rocky point in their relationship. And he yep. may try to force his way out of there if he hasn't already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's not something that's going to happen in the next week. No. You don't move on from Russell Wilson if you're the Seahawks in a week. You no. try to wait this thing out, maybe to the right. draft or whatever it may be. The Bears don't have that luxury of time right now. I think they they are going to have to look for. This is why I was in on Gardner Minshew is that they I think they need to look for that cheaper option who is more of a bridge while drafting a quarterback. Sure. I think Minshew has some upside. Um, I'm not saying he is upside to be a top ten quarterback in the NFL, but you know, right. we're talking about a guy who's in year three, uh, going into year three, and has done some good things on the field. I think there's a case to be made that given his price. And mm-hmm. given his youth, he would be a, a good fit for what the Bears are trying to do. At least a better fit than the other options out there like Sam Darnold or, you know, a free agent like Ryan Fitzpatrick or, or someone right. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and that's a really good point. And I was just giving you a hard time on the Gartner one. But the thing, <laughs> but I, I agree in the sense that he's, it wouldn't take much to acquire him. It would probably be like, what, a, a third day draft pick at the most, right? A couple of those, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree with that. And then also you still draft your your guy going forward. Mm-hmm. I think for me, and I would love to get both of you guys' thoughts on this. When I hear a lot of the names that keep getting thrown out here with a lot of these bargain bin quarterbacks, none of them, in my opinion, are better than Mitch. And that's just, I'm going to die on that hill, but that's just what I think. When I hear Fitzpatrick's name come up, I'm like, meh. When I hear Sam Darnold's name, I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, like, so what do you guys think there? When I think uh, when I think about those other guys there um, that you just hit on, Prez, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you're right. Those guys are probably not long-term solution-type quarterbacks, right? And I think the Bears also feel the same way about Mitch. And you're right. Mitch might even be maybe a tap step better than some of these guys. But one thing I will give guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick credit for is there is some excitement to some of these guys, you know, at their age. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like 38 years old, something like that, 39, you know, somewhere near that range, right? And the guy still has an arm, right? You're like, he still can throw. He still plays well in big games at that. And that's one thing I have given Ryan Fitzpatrick credit for because you see him in a lot of big games. You see him play very well. He'll lose games against some, some mediocre team, but you'll see him play good against those great teams. I mean, he even did good last year, I will say, uh, for Miami in a big game. And he did very well. He came in for Tua and just you know ignited the offense. And that's one thing you've seen with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not saying it's a long-term solution by any means, but oh, one yeah. thing I like about him is that some of these guys can play in big games. And those, those are some of the times we've seen guys like Mitch on our team, Foles, fold under big games. And that's what you need, you know? And I know the Bears are going through some transition as well, like you said before, Perez, of making some moves. But you need somebody that can come in, of course, that's going to be dynamic for this defense that we have right now because you need an offensive quarterback to go with this defense that we currently have. I think that's totally legit, the, mm-hmm. the stuff you said about Fitzpatrick. Like, mm-hmm. and, and as you're saying it, I'm like, I can, I can see a world in which you sign him mm-hmm. and you still draft 
one or two other quarterbacks. I mean, right. like if, if you look, if you're signing Fitzpatrick, you have to draft another quarterback. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There, yep. There's no way around it. But I think his ability to kind of step in and out mm-hmm. is something that could help show that progress the Bears need. Uh, on the, the topic of Mitch, though, I don't disagree with you, Prez, just kind of on its on its face value. Yeah. But I think we've kind of hit the point with Matt Nagy being here that there's no reason to bring back Mitch. Like right. uh, that mm-hmm. ship has probably sailed at this point. I, I, that was one of the columns I wrote. It was after the Bears lost to the Saints in the playoffs that I think that the, the Mitch, you know, the Mitch Nagy relationship is probably headed for a breakup mm-hmm. because if Nagy isn't going to trust Mitch to go out there in these games and, and be the catalyst for winning them, mm-hmm. then you should probably find someone else to be your quarterback. Right. You know, yeah. even what? if Mitch may be the better fit for what you want to do instead of, you know, player X or player B or whatever it may be. I think you probably just need a change there. This is a situation where change is probably necessary for the bears to show any progress at that position. No, and I, and I definitely agree with that. I just kind of threw that out there just because when I was looking at some of those names and, and you guys gave good feedback there on Fitzpatrick, because if you do sign a guy like that for a year, he showed right. you in Miami that not only like what a dub said, he can win those games, but he was also a good mentor to Tua, mm-hmm. and he shows you that he doesn't have the ego, that he doesn't mind if you draft a guy. He'll work with the person and so forth. So I do like that name. It's intriguing in a sense. Mm-hmm. What JJ was saying, I agree when it comes to Mitch. that That's right. headed towards a divorce. It's just when you look at these names, it just makes me wonder, damn, Nagy, why are you so stubborn? Like, I think that Mitch is still going to go on somewhere and have a decent career. It just for me, a lot of those issues with Mitch, I think, came down to Nagy and scheme and just... Mm-hmm his refusal to put the kid in the best position because we saw what Bill Lazor did with him. I think mm-hmm. we have something there with the guys. Just, I don't know. Like you said, though, it might just be time for a divorce. <laughs> I mean, look, yeah. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch is talented, right? Like yeah. yep. you don't like the, the talent is there right. for him. You don't be the second overall pick. If you're not talented, right. The problem is harnessing it. And, and I just, I'm kind of of the belief that when you're five years into it, mm-hmm. sure, what Mitch will be going into 2021 it's hard to break some habits. Yeah. And I think there are just some habits for Mitch, some, some issues that have been a part of his profile, his entire NFL career Mm -hmm. that no matter the scheme that he's in are probably still going to show up. And I was talking about this with someone last week about, it was kind of like Jared Goff. Okay. Where I think everyone kind of sees Jared Goff as a flawed quarterback. Right. Mm -hmm. And Sean McVay took him as far as he could go. Right. But it never was, I mean, he made it made a Super Bowl with him, but it never was getting over that hump, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's probably what that's kind of the ceiling for Mitch is like you get him in the perfect system, and like Kyle Shanahan could probably take him pretty far. Just pick any smart coach in the NFL mm-hmm. could probably take him pretty far, but how far is that going to be? Really, mm-hmm. is that Super Bowl? Is that playoffs? I think it's probably more playoffs yeah. than it is Super Bowl. Because again, that and to me that this is not all Mitch's fault. These bad habits were kind of allowed to fester for a little bit, and for whatever reason in his development, they were never coached out of him. Maybe, maybe they never could have been coached out of him mm-hmm. because Mitch was a developmental prospect when the Bears took him. He'd only started thirteen Agreed. games in college, so there mm-hmm. were always going to be some major strides he needed to make. He was not ready made 
like Watson or even Mahomes because those guys had years of experience as starters instead of year of experience. Right. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it just did not develop with Mitch. And I think you could spend an hour talking about all the reasons why it didn't develop. (laughs) Um, But it didn't. And I think we probably hit the point now where, yes, some team will take a shot on Mitch because they had a good scouting report on him in 2017. Mm -hmm. But has the ship sailed? Like with Marcus Mariota, guys, right? Like, I think the ship had kind of sailed on him. And we saw it in that that game he came in for the Raiders on Monday night where it was like, man, like Marcus Mariota's out here making some plays. This is all he just threw a pick. Yep. <laughs> yep. It was just like, yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of remember the limitations of him after you see the flash. You mm-hmm. kind of remember the limitations. Of <laughs> right. Right. No, you bring up a good point there, JJ, uh, with both quarterbacks, you know, Mariota and with Mitch. And of course, those two guys definitely have some flaws. And one of the flaws, of course, we always see with Mitch is decision-making in the middle of the field. And that's still, it's still an opportunity for him as well. But one thing I did, looking to as well as other quarterbacks that probably could do a better job in that area than probably Mitch could. And one of the quarterbacks that came to mind for me, who's actually out there already, and and they talk about trading for Watson, is Teddy Bridgewater. And I was like, well, I know Teddy Bridgewater isn't Watson, right? To me, I think he's a poor man's Watson. But the thing is, he still can get the job done. I mean, still athletic enough, still got an arm, still was the accurate thrower, definitely knows when to get rid of the ball. Went through a lot of adversity as well. I mean, he didn't have a great line over there with the Panthers. And it's like, he's trying to make nothing out of something, right? <laughs> you know, make something out of nothing. And if you have a guy like that who can... So, I mean, think about it, our Bears team didn't have a great line either, right? This season, for the most part, you got to realize, can somebody work with that? Because who knows how much better his line is going to be next season. You really don't know yet until you see it. But you yeah. wonder if you give Teddy Bridgewater a pretty good line, you know, a pretty good offensive package scheme with wide receivers core-wise, maybe he can duplicate some of the things he did in uh, with New Orleans, you know, to where when he came uh-huh. in, you know, he kind of went on a little tear with those guys, you know, uh, when Breeze is out. So maybe he can have some of that dynamic to him, you know, but the, the question we always ask is the, you know, is, is the package worth it, right, for the Bears when mm-hmm. you think about making a trade for that? Yeah, well, to, what, to take on, the real yeah. quick on, on Bridgewater, to take on his cap hit, I think mm-hmm. would probably limit your ability to build out the line and the playmakers mm-hmm. that he needs. Cause I, I totally agree with you. You put Bridgewater in a situation where he's got a good line in front of him and mm-hmm. good players to get the ball to. He's going to be a really good distributor of the football mm-hmm. right? and you can win with Teddy Bridgewater, but I think Bridgewater is not a quarterback necessarily who will carry the rest of his team. Right. And that's okay. There are very few of those guys. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Bridgewater is kind of along that like Jimmy Garoppolo line where Uh like you put him in a good situation and you can you can make a Super Bowl with this guy. But Mm -hmm. it's got to be a really good situation for him. Mm -hmm. And and to JJ's point, yeah, that cap hit for Teddy would be twenty two point nine. So that would yeah, that would be pretty tough for us to make, you know, the type of moves we need additionally within the team. Yeah. One thing, too, Carolina does have a top 10 pick. And so I wonder if a quarterback may be on their radar because it didn't mm-hmm. seem like their coach and Teddy kind of vibed. I mean, I don't know. Teddy had a decent season, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's an intriguing name. I don't see it mm-hmm. here. I think we should have went after Teddy last offseason. That's right. kind of my <laughs> they did. Off-season. They did go after Teddy last offseason. <laughs> but, but, J, but JJ, did we really go after him? No, you're right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. it, 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 was, it was sort of like kicking the tires, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think about Derek Carr? Man, you could get Derek Carr. That'd be that would be the best upgrade. Who's not Watson or Wilson? Right. Um, but right now, Derek Carr isn't realistic because the Raiders are currently not trading him. 
Right. Mm-hmm. If the Raiders work out a trade for Russell Wilson, Bears should be on the phone to get Derek Carr immediately. Mm-hmm. But right. until that happens, you know, they're going to have to wait that thing out too. Yeah, and and that's like what we were saying earlier, JJ. We just don't have that luxury, you know, of, right. of time. But Derek Carr, someone that I'm like, man, Gruden doesn't seem sold on him because he went out and signed Mariota for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he can really come in here. The guy stays healthy for the most part, mm-hmm. and he's he's a good quarterback, makes smart throws and things like that. So probably not realistic in this moment. But if it were a situation where he was on the market. Mm-hmm. Man, I hope that we would pounce mm-hmm. on a guy like that. Yeah, that would be a good idea for us to hit it with him. I mean, the guy could probably can come in and make a quick impact right away, actually, if he came for the, to this team here. And he, he knows how to lead. I mean, he's been a good guy, knows the role very well, been accurate thrower for the most part of his career. And, yeah, I think he'll be a benefit to this, to this team for sure. Yeah, agreed. So, JJ, you brought up Sam Darnold's name earlier. Even still, I think the guy obviously playing on the Jets – wasn't set up for success, wasn't developed. Do you guys think that this guy's got any shot? Not, I'm not even saying for here in Chicago, but any shot of being able to turn around his NFL career? Because, I mean, he's still a young kid and still has the, the arm talent. You know, what do you guys think there with Darnold? I mean, he's, <laughs> he's been through a lot in New mm-hmm. York. Different coaches, different coordinators, Adam Gase. Oh, like, man. oh, man. You know, so, yeah, you look at his numbers and you're like, man, this is bad. <laughs> and if you if you want to convince yourself that he can be fixed, you're looking at just the bad situation he's been in where he hasn't had much talent around him and he's had a subpar coaching staff. But I wonder now three years into his career, like, is that fixable? Because right. there, there have just been so many quarterbacks in the NFL who have been ruined mm-hmm. in the first two, three years of their career. And there's yep. no coming back from that. Mm Yeah, I I am worried with Sam Darnold that that's the case. And I think, you know, there'll probably be a team that takes a shot on him. Like there'll be a a team that takes a shot on Mitch. But Mm -hmm. if I'm picking between Darnold and Mitch, I'm probably picking Mitch. Right. To be totally honest. Yeah. Because Mitch, Mitch at least has, has had some level of success in the NFL. Darnold, it's been very sporadic, very sporadic, whatever success he's had. And Mitch has, you know, at least done some things that make you think, all right, I think there's a better shot of fixing this guy than Darnold. But again, there are going to be teams out there that evaluated Sam Darnold in 2018 and are going to say, we really liked this guy three years ago. We think we can get the most out of him. That will happen. You know, I I wonder how much the Bears really evaluated him then. Mm-hmm. I think every team probably does their due diligence on quarterbacks sort of as a, just in case to have a, you know, kind of a file on each guy, but probably was not as in depth as, you know, the Bears scouting reports on other players at other positions in 2018. Right. So I wonder on that front, they may not be a team that says we know his skill set really well from evaluating him and having a very deep evaluation of him. So uh, maybe, maybe we'll take a pass, but at the same time, they, they may not have, any other options, they may feel like he is their best option and still want to go get him. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the more we've kind of dug into this, I'm just kind of thinking of a lot of the top guys that we as fans have on the board are guys that aren't realistic. Even like when you think of Mm -hmm. a Dak Prescott, who we haven't even brought up yet. Yeah, right. another unrealistic one. That's another unrealistic one, but that's a situation that's at least worth monitoring because we don't know what Jerry's thinking, right? They franchised him last year. Mm -hmm. What happens if Dak's camp 
you know, forces a trade. We don't know, right? But again, unrealistic target. I didn't look at someone like a Cam Newton. Don't kill me, guys, but I just have to bring the name up. (laughs) But, I mean, there's guys like that are out there. I don't know if he's a fit here. I mean, he had an uneven season last year, but that's another name that's out there. So it's just like I'm just trying to think of realistic targets that are out there. Do they make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm sure you guys watched him last year, and, like, it it doesn't look right. Sure. (laughs) You know, the collection of – skill position talent the Patriots had last year was awful. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't remember who it was. who was on Twitter the other day. said, like, there are some colleges that had better skill position talent. And, like, (laughs) I think Cam probably would have had more success if he was playing for Alabama last year. But (laughs) at the same point, like, just watching Cam, it's it's tough to watch. Mm Because you remember what he was in 2015, you know? Yep. And he hasn't been in so long. And just watching him throw the ball – it just it doesn't it doesn't look right, does it? Yeah, no, it, it doesn't, doesn't look right at all. The injury no. looks like it played a big part into what's yeah. been going on with yeah. him. And, um, I just wonder about his health. And again, you and I talked about our. I mean, we talked about our Bears offensive line coming here. Can he take any more punishment? You know, uh, when it comes down to that, and are we doing him a disservice? You know, because I'm quite sure he's going to take some hits here, and you just don't know how his body may react to all that. Yeah, I mean, that shoulder, it, it didn't look yeah. right, like to JJ's point. Mm-hmm. That Superman cape, I think he might have left it in Carolina. That's yeah. kind of what I see there. Yeah. <laughs> or in the operating room. Man. <laughs> well, I mean, we've kind of went through, man, realistic versus unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I still don't even know, fellas. I if when, when, when we sit here and have this conversation, I still have no clear understanding where this thing is going to go. <laughs> you know, we can look at the draft. I don't know what you guys are thinking there. But at 20, I don't really see anyone there that basically says, hey, let's go draft this quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you guys think when it comes to the draft? Because I'm more of the idea of draft offensive line in the first round and then maybe get a development quarterback in the third Mm -hmm. or fourth round. I mean, but I don't know what you guys think. Well, I think in this case, Brez, you you know Ryan Pace, man. You know what I think he might do? He might try to trade up in a draft. Somehow, some way, and you know, Pace always doing that. He's done it a lot pretty much through his tenure with trading up in the draft. And I can see him trading up in the draft, not that far up. I wouldn't say top 10, but I think he gets somewhere near, maybe top 15, to where he can probably trade up for a quarterback, you know, to try to get a quarterback in the first round. That's what I think he might try to do in this case here. That might but be something suitable. If, if he does that, which quarterback do you think he he trades up to grab? I think the quarterback that might be there might. I'm not saying it's going to be true, but I hope he's there. But I think probably Mac Jones might be the one that's probably, to me, I think it's probably more realistic than probably a Trevor Lawrence or one of those other guys who are people talking about Wilson. Uh, I think probably Mac Jones probably someone that's probably in the area, a guy who I think is pretty smart, accurate thrower, plays more cerebral, cerebral than anything else. Uh, and the guy who's really fundamentally sound, that might be a guy who can come in that the Bears probably want to continue to, to develop. So that's the guy who I, that come to my mind when I think of that. Well, I think the guy like that will probably be available at 20. But when you're speaking about the trading up aspect, were you thinking that we could trade up and get like a, a Fields or, you know, Wilson or someone along those lines? Because I think Jones would be available at 20. Yeah, if he's available at 20 or like I said, if he's not available at 20, I think trading up to if we can get a better quarterback, you want to go go all out. Um, and, and at least in this draft here, because I think there's some talent from a quarterback standpoint in this draft that you can see that, hey, these guys got some very good potential um, down the road if they're in the right situation, unlike Sam Darnold was. <laughs> so I think the Bears pretty much, I, I'll say we've kind of got a good, pretty good culture here to where one of these quarterbacks can make some development and grow here. I wonder, you, yeah. I, I do wonder though, if Mac Jones is available at 20. 
I wonder mm-hmm. if Kyle Trask is available at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think what uh, the way I'm seeing the draft shape up is there are a lot of teams in the top 10 that need quarterbacks. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my gut tells me you're going to have four quarterbacks go in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very, very hard to move up and get one of those guys. Right. You know, if, if you want to get Trey Lance, you might have to jump the Panthers and the Broncos to get him. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the guy who might be the, the fourth best quarterback in this year's draft. <laughs> so but then what I think happens is there's a rush on those you know top four guys. And then those teams that have the aging veterans – so to me, the, the Steelers are just the perfect example here. Mm-hmm. Yep. I could see the Steelers going up. I think they're at 24. Mm-hmm. I could see them going up to jump both the Bears and Washington to go mm. get someone like Mac Jones. Wow. Because they, mm. they, they're sitting there, you know, saying, like, we're trying to figure out what's going on with Ben. We want him back. But, like, I think they know it's you know the end is near for Ben Roethlisberger, right. and they probably mm-hmm. need to think about drafting his replacement. And if they really like Mac Jones, they're not going to miss out on him. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe they then move up into the teens and jump the Bears in Washington and go get him. And then Washington's a fascinating one because who mm-hmm. did, you know they all of a sudden arrive with this great defense. What do they do at quarterback besides like signing Taylor Heineke? Do they go and get aggressive and all of a sudden now you're talking about maybe Kyle Trask being off the board mm-hmm. there and all of a sudden by the time the Bears get to 20 six quarterbacks are off the board and the price to move up in the first round was just so high mm-hmm. that a team with needs outside of quarterback you know the Bears need playmakers they need offensive linemen mm-hmm. uh, that that just will be a very difficult proposition it's going to be a fascinating year by the mm-hmm. way because without the combine and without the kind of, you know, the risers and fallers, like it kind of feels or it feels like we're making stuff up about like, <laughs> right. Oh boy. I'm a little worried about Justin Fields. Like what? Yeah. What Justin are you worried Fields about? Justin Fields is really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. Oh, I, I think Zach Wilson is clearly the better quarterback than Justin Fields. How do you right. know that? You're like, based on what? <laughs> yeah. Right. Based right. on what? I think, well, I think there's one thing that some people would say it's based on. Um, Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like I, it's just th- th- this this time of year is going to get so silly and mm-hmm. so stupid with this stuff. <laughs> like now, now there are people trying to talk themselves into Zach Wilson as being a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. Like, yeah, what, do you, what are we that. doing? Right, yeah. right. Get to April, please. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, we could get past the stupidity phase of, yeah. of the draft. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But you know what? So JJ brought up some points that I thought were really interesting before we get out of here, just for the audience to think about. So a lot of us Bears fans were under the impression, okay, fine. If we don't decide to go offensive line or receiver at that 20 pick, Mm -hmm. that certain quarterback options could be there. But I didn't even think of the situation of if the Steelers did decide to trade up, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is feasible. So you have to wonder what other teams in that late first round may try to jump over us. Right. So there's a lot of things that we have to take into consideration when we look at this first round of the draft. So I don't know. I, I like Jamie Newman. That's that's my that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he would be good and pair him with kind of what JJ was saying earlier in the conversation with one of these maybe mid level free agent you know pickups and 
you develop a guy like that maybe off, you know, for a year, year, two years and, you know, see what you got there. Because one of the things that I always say on the show, JJ, is Ryan Pace at his opening presser talked about the fact of every year you have to draft a quarterback. Every year you have to go after a quarterback, right? He hasn't done that. <laughs> so that's why we have no developmental people in the pipeline and we're in this mm-hmm. damn situation that we're in right now. Yep. So I just, I, I just hope that going forward that we can make that a priority and start getting some developmental guys in here. So that's kind of my, my two cents when it comes mm-hmm. to the, yeah. to the draft. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think you got to build out the structure. Like you're saying, you know, identify offensive linemen and or playmakers. And mm-hmm. then you, I mean, you gotta, I think you draft two quarterbacks truthfully. Okay. Um, take one on day two, whether it's with your second or third round pick mm-hmm. and then another like developmental one toward the back end of the draft. Like, you know, you get to the six rounds and Felipe Franks is still available. Like go get that guy and mm-hmm. just see what you got. Yeah. The yeah. overwhelming odds are it's not going to be anything, but you know, it's that, you know, the stupid Wayne Gretzky line, who knows if he actually said it, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Well, like the bears have missed out on hundred percent of the developmental quarterbacks that they don't take. Cause they haven't taken one. <laughs> so they, they, the they got to at least take a shot at it. I, know, I like your idea. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to start the process, man. We got to get that process started. I mean, we late, like like Perez is saying, we late to the party. We're doing that. I mean, we so many years late, as you can see, but we got to yeah. start. And I think Perez hit it, hit it right on the head. Um, we got to start doing that like immediately, you know, and get some some people in the pipeline to at least try and see who we have on the way and what they can do. Absolutely. But man, JJ, brother, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I've been looking forward to this, man, for weeks. And A-Dub can tell you, man, this has been a treat. Audience, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Man, thanks again. Before you get out, tell the audience where they can, you know, interact with you on Twitter or any of your other socials. And man, again, appreciate it so much. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Um, if you got a job opening, you can hit me up on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, just, you know, I, I love hearing from fans. Uh, I love interacting with y'all. And this has been a treat coming on your guys' podcast. I had a ton of fun. Really good discussion. Really good talk here. Uh, you guys do a really good job. Keep up the good work. Hopefully can do it again soon. Yeah, man. We would definitely love that, especially, man, if we figure out what the hell happens with this QB situation. We'd love to have you back. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure we will at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, JJ, thanks again, brother. And I'll, I'll be connecting with you on LinkedIn as well. <laughs> All right. Right on, man. Looking forward right. to it. All right. Now, appreciate you, boss. All right. Later. All right. Hey, Dub, man. That was a dope-ass show, bro. Dope-ass show. Oh, salute to JJ, man. Came on board, man. Dropped some jewels for us, too. So uh, awesome to hear his take on things. JJ represented, man. Man, I mean, (laughs) you know what I really enjoyed about that, man, is it wasn't just about the Bears and football talk, man. It was just like we learned so much about him and his passions and his influences Mm -hmm. and just him as a person. I just really loved that, that conversation. Absolutely, man. Those are some amazing stories that we got out of him, man. And I appreciate uh, having them on the podcast with us today, for sure. Absolutely, man. Before we get out of here, we wanted to thank uh, a couple of our listeners, Brian Vincent and Notorious CMG. Thank you guys for your Apple reviews. Uh, as we continue to build this podcast and build our brand, it's important for us to continue to have these ratings and reviews on Apple. Please, anybody that's on Apple that listens to this podcast, please give us a rating. Five-star, preferably. But give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. We appreciate all of your support and helping us to grow this podcast to a top 10 Bears podcast. So thank you guys so much. Also, 
be on the lookout. The DBE team is going to be doing a NCAA tournament pool for March Madness. So any of you guys that are interested in joining that, DM us and we'll get you a spot saved. Man, dope episode. I appreciate you, man. And we are out. Yes, sir. A-Dub, going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Very Centers Podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Bear Nation, come down with us. Peace.